you seekers, explorers and renegades out there, welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. The title of today's episode is Being the Light in the Dark, and many of uh, you might associate that with some sort of a religious or spiritual connotation. However, it really applies to any situation in life where you are living a life where you feel that this could be the betterment of humanity and you try to promote this to uh, the world and humanity as a whole. So whether that be, would be related to education, spirituality, uh, diet, exercise, business, whatever it may be, whatever change that you feel would benefit uh, humanity as a whole, that is showing up being a change maker and being a rebel as, as it were in that community of yours that may be stuck in their, the old paradigm as it is. And the challenge of course in that is that uh, people are resistant to change as we will uh, discuss in a later episode uh, called Loss Aversion, we do tend to stray from changing our behaviors because it's better the devil you know, even if what you know is going to be less good than what you don't know, we do stay away from the unknown because it's a protective uh, mechanism. Now staying in your bubble and your echo chamber, you are the light amongst other lights, so it really isn't doing that much good, so you do need to kind of move out to those uncomfortable situations where people are going to question you and be against you as it were, but that's part of the journey. That's part of what you're there to do as it were, because you are the light supposed to be in what you consider dark, uh, whatever that may be related to. So let's uh, delve into the discussion about how you can show up as light in the dark and hear from uh, some, some of our group members and uh, their experiences. So enjoy! Anton St. Martin is a philosopher and he said, uh, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but uh, we didn't arrive on this planet's planet to lead a cheerful carnival parade into the perfect new earth paradise there is much work to be done before anyone will enter that promised land so granted it might have some new agey and uh, religious undertones to that but uh, i think the, the it doesn't matter what you do if you are in a spiritual path or you work towards you know uh, saving the environment, whatever it may be, you are trying. Whenever you're trying to progress humanity and evolve, help to uh, or be part of the solution for evolving humanity, uh, you are carrying a light. And if you stay among others that are feel the same, think the same, then we end up in echo chambers because we all agree with each other. Um, so. That's when we need to, you know, venture out and uh, be the light in the darkness elsewhere, even though we will come up against people that really don't agree with us and will, you know, be not so nice to us. So um, 
what I'd like to bring out today is talk about, you know, how can we do that in for an individual on an individual's um, platform uh, and feel safe doing it? And then how do we kind of find our tribe or our, our people, as it were, so that we can go back and recover and build up that energy to go back out again and do the work that we have to do? Um, so whether you are, uh, I was listening to uh, Chris Evans' morning show on the race morning, and he had uh, the chairman of the uh, uh, food chain Iceland uh, on uh, interviewing today. And they've, I mean, they've, it's a family-owned business and they turn over some four billion pounds a year or something. It's like a huge business. Uh, but this guy, you know, he's a surfer, he's a mountain climber, his dad founded the company in the 70s, and he was, you know, groundbreaking in that they, uh, they've eliminated all palm oil from any product that they sell, so they, they focus predominantly on uh, frozen products or frozen produce. Um, they were uh, very uh, on the forefront of eliminating uh the plastic carrier bags from their uh, shops um, and eliminating as much plastic or one-time use materials possible uh, in their shops. So here you have someone who's in a you know, huge business, uh, tremendously wealthy people. Uh, they're trying to do as much right as they can. Uh, you know, they employ some 30,000 people. So, you know, they're a very important business for for the UK as a whole, um, but you know he he does get trolled by the likes of Piers uh, Piers Morgan, for example. You know <laughs> they were joking about it this morning. So you know he is out there uh, as quote unquote shining his light, trying to make changes and help uh, enact changes in society. Um, there are other good examples to that. You have uh, the owner of uh, Blush, for example, Blush Cosmetics. Uh, obviously, Anita Roderick, uh, the uh, body shop, is uh, one of those famous um, kind of uh, standard bearers of uh, uh, providing uh, good, healthy products. She ended up selling out, I suppose, but... <laughs> She started out meaning well, but um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, people that are on a spiritual path. It can be people that are in other uh, aspects of society and different paths in life as well. Uh, but the, the point here is that if you sit and complain about the environment to other people who complain about the environment, uh, you are just bouncing words around. You will, there will be no action. Um, so where do, we, uh, where do we find those changes? You know, if you're talking about the environment, yes, there are plenty of people that are demonstrating that the changes are going to take place in hearts and minds of people and in government. And hearts and minds of people, they're the ones that elect the officials and they are the ones buying products from the companies um, that can make the biggest changes and hearts and minds of people they also work for companies 
So if you can change the hearts and minds of uh, everybody who works for, you know, Exxon Mobil or, you know, Shell or, uh, you know, Unilever or any of these companies, then change can happen and it can happen pretty quickly, right? So, uh, and certainly confirmation bias is something that we, we all have to be aware of. You know, when you do searches on Google, if you continuously search for similar things, Google's algorithm knows that and they're going to throw up search results that fit in with, you, with how you think. And that's going to link up to Facebook. Facebook is going to show you the content that you're interested in and that you agree with. Um, and someone actually on my Facebook page the other day um, was talking about, uh, you know, there's a lot of division uh, about, you know, the, the vaccine and all of that. And uh, the, apparently there was some big discussion and argument about uh, the vaccine and, you know, the responsibility of taking it or the, uh, all of this stuff. And someone has suggested that this friend of mine should uh, kind of defriend some people that uh, thought different than, than her. And she had said, well, you know, a friend of her in, in, in America that was... Uh, didn't agree with Trump, had a bunch of people that were Trump supporters on her page, and uh, they would usually argue against her. So people have said, well, why don't you just get rid of these people? They disagree with you, and they're just trolling you. And she said, well, you know what? I might be the only source of information they get other than the Trump message if you like um you know it doesn't matter if you agree with trump or not but it's very important if you feel that you are the light in that darkness and it could go the other way around as well on the other side of the political spectrum as well depending on your point of view but it's it's being out there and building that bridge to the uh, across the division allowing us to create less darkness, right? Division is darkness, and it doesn't matter what spectrum it is. If you can't have a civil conversation with someone, then there's darkness, right? Such a good topic. I think when it comes to being the light in the darkness, it could be your place of work. And... I work in the trades and there's always all kinds of opinions flying around on the job site. And it's a, it's a place where it's kind of scary to come out and speak your mind. And cause it's like a, you know, we're all a bit of a, a bunch of jackals together. You know, we rib each other, we give each other a hard time, but also, you know, providing that space means that when someone does step out and is showing their light, it's very important, I think, to be an ally to that. And so I think that's something that it gets missed a lot is who are the allies in the situation? Who's gonna stand out with that person? Who's gonna leap out and say, wow, that's really interesting, or that's a good idea, or anything along those lines to give that a platform because it's a scary place to be for a lot of people to feel that compelling 
urge to say something and knowing that you're going to face face some backlash possibly and um it takes really being centered in yourself to be there well and how do you feel about i suppose in in your office it's uh can I can I be uh, correct in my assumption that's uh, rather male dominated as well? Yeah, that's uh, that's the way the trades are. It's changing though, thankfully, which has been good. But yeah, it is definitely a male dominated industry. So if there there is someone who kind of makes some sexist remarks or anything like that, is there anybody who steps up and says, "Oh, listen, that's out of line"? Yeah, that person is me, <laughs> and. <laughs> And how, how does that work for you? I mean, then then you are that light kind of stepping in and saying, listen. Um, so how, how does that work for you? Well, you know, it isn't something, it's something that I pick and choose when and where to introduce that. And, you know, I think you can be the person who is the fun police is how it gets looked at, is though, you know, you can't just be, you know, and, and these people are coming with their own their own culture scape and their own viewpoints and their own upbringing and their own journey. Right. And, you know, am I the one who's there to police their journey or, you know, how do you balance that out and, and, and make it so that you still have to have rapport on the job site. You still need to have, you still need to get the job done. And so creating divisiveness is something that um, happens and it has to happen occasionally and conflict is going to happen, but how do you do that and still maintain the relationships? And so when it comes to sexist views like that, a lot of times I'll say, wow, that's so like 1809, you know, viewpoint or something like that and kind of chuckle mm-hmm. and just say, you know, men, as, as we're moving forward in life, you know, we're going to be the ones that are going to set the tone for the world that our daughters grow up in, the yeah. world that our friends and families grow up in and, the change needs to happen with us. And I know it can be funny to be juvenile or make crass jokes or whatever, but you know, that's, that ship has sailed. It's time to let that go and, and move on to things. And, and 99.9% of the time, everybody's like, yeah, yeah, you, you know, you're right. It's kind of like this big sigh, almost like it's a relief just to let go. I think most people are in that vein, but, um, a lot of society and culture rules becomes this um, herd mentality. You know, you don't want to stand out. You don't want to stick out. You don't want to to uh, get singled out because sometimes things can turn on you and it can become, um, I've heard situations where men have spoken up on different job sites and it's become a hostile work environment and they have ended up leaving. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is that kind of, chauvinistic aspect where oh if you if you step up against if you against quote-unquote the the old paradigm then you are against you're you're a traitor as it were you know um but would you agree that it's it's the compassionate when you have that compassionate approach to it that your message is received better i mean as opposed to uh, confronting it with hostility and accusation as it were yes i would totally agree on that and that i think is something that is on an energetic or or i don't know if that's the right term but that's on a level where 
being centered in yourself, that energy kind of transfers forward. And I think it happens across all, you know, all demographics and all genders and all um, areas of life. Um, I do have a female friend who's in the trades and, you know, she gets stuck into a mentality of I have to be tough and I have to do this and I have to do that. And, you know, finding balance in that as well, or I have to put up with this, or I have to not say anything or, um, and it comes with its own assumptions and its own trials as well. And, and she's been looking to find her way in it as well. And I have to say these days, um, everybody knows that, you know, you, your behavior changes. If there's, um, if there's someone new on site, or if there's somebody, if there's a woman on site or whatever, everybody minds their P's and Q's, you know, that's something that is nice to see that's a change. But again, I think, you know, in our, in our, in our demographic or our trades, I think finding footing and finding a place to belong is, is another difficulty that happens for, for women. That is uh, something that, you know, as men, we need to help navigate that. And I think when it comes to, to showing your light, having the bravery to leap out and be an ally to somebody is really, really vitally important. I, I agree with everything that you just said, Glenn, and that's awesome that you guys are kind of having that paradigm shift. Uh, I was going to just say that, number one, I think that one of the ways that I kind of approach this is the fact that I try to make sure that every time I do any kind of a healing session for people that I take away any religion or politics, because a lot of times if you have religions or politics that are inserted in anything, no one's listening anymore. So that's why I think that, you know, being able to have clients who are traditional Muslims who wear full burqas or someone who's, you know, from Africa or someplace else, if you're just talking about divine light and source energy, it has nothing to do with having the specifics to culture scapes as you're talking about. And I think that's really, really important. But it's also too, I think I wanna also mention the concept of neuroplasticity in the brain. And when you have people as to the topic that Christopher put out in regards to the echo chamber, when you have people who are in your Facebook groups or social media who all just agree with you, there is no neuroplasticity. And you literally do not allow yourself to rewire the things inside of your brain. Your, your brain needs to be as wrinkled as possible. So the more wrinkled that your brain is on the inside, the more like a walnut that it looks like, the, the smarter it is, the more dendrites and synapses and, and all of those things, the neural pathways are firing at all times. And we have what are called telomeres that end up basically, they start to disintegrate and they pull away and that's when you age. And when you literally have the neuroplasticity, that's that whole thing about the fact that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's total bullshit. You can, you can always teach any dog at any age, any new trick because that neuroplasticity is there and it allows you to basically reverse your aging. So my preference actually is I would rather speak with a hundred people at a party who have completely divergent opinions to mine and have an opportunity to ask them if they can basically fortify or back up what their opinion is and why. Because if you just heard it on the internet or just heard it on the news, et cetera, and you have no idea, but you're just parroting what you just heard, you have fallacious reasoning and you're not really backing it up. And then that person oftentimes has an epiphany and they go, oh, you know what? I don't know if I really agree with that or not, but that's what I heard. So now I think I've changed my mind. I love those kind of parties. Those are like the best parties ever because people are really, really like chewing it up and really like having an opportunity to have dialogue. But when you just look at each other and go, oh, you're amazing. Love you. Oh, kissy, kissy face. Yes, everything's great. Oh my God, love you. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and just, just emojis everywhere, et cetera. 
that doesn't help you grow. So that's just something that I think that neuroplasticity is such a wonderful thing. I know that in education, they're trying to look at that a lot more too, in the sense of where there's so much expansion in the brain that's still to be had. And if we stay with our, like you said, that that's such a great way to put it like, oh, what is this 1809? We have to basically update our opinions to 2021 and then continue updating your, your information and then continue to update. Because when you update, that's when you literally get that firing in your brain and it continues on and on and on. But it also helps you to constantly challenge yourself to see, do I really agree with what I believed in 2000? No, my opinion of things have changed in 21 years. So that's super important as well. That you have to challenge yourself as much as you do other people. Totally. And that, that goes back to what we were discussing the other week about uh, questioning everything and uh, love and light, by the way. <laughs> um, the uh, so yeah it's, it is very important that understanding that being around people that think differently from you and challenge you is important for your uh, own kind of brain development um, so that you don't end up, end up being dulled down as it were um, Thank you very much. Yeah, I agree pretty much with everything that Barbie and Glenn and you you have mentioned. And um, I suppose one of the most important things, like if you're looking at the psychotherapy through the prism of psychotherapy, the, the major, the way the psychotherapy works is to look internally, is look at your, within yourself and challenge yourself and actually come out of the comfort zone. And you can't do it if you are in that social bubble. If you are all the time just surrounding your people with the same views and you're not stepping out of your comfort zone, you're never gonna learn anything new. And I suppose what, again, to refer to what Glenn said, I had a very similar situation a couple of weeks ago when I was talking to, um, we had like kind of the CPD session with some colleagues of, of um, in my department. And it turned out that I was only one who was the kind of optimist. And I said, look, you know, the world is getting better. World every day is getting better, better and better. Like we live longer, our lifespan has increased. Um, the educational rate has improved over the last hundred years. We've got the vaccinations for many diseases. I'm not talking only about the COVID, but we've got the great medical systems. You know, world is getting, getting better place. And other people were saying like, I ah, know the world is gloomy and dark place. And so during that conversation, I was just trying to say, look, you know, that's your opinion. That's absolutely fine. I'm coming from completely different paradigm. I've got different epistemology. I've got different life experience and I'm not here to attack you. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying my experience. And I think what is happening at the moment, and I, I, I think this is the threat of social media, but we don't really understand how the social media having an impact on, um, on people and especially on teenagers and adolescents. But people for some reason, they believe that um, having 160 signs on Twitter, they can express their opinions. And I think the whole world wants to makes us believe that what is even black or white and it's not true it's all shades of gray you know and and sometimes it does not have and the fact is 
people are very often saying, ah, you know, I'm left or I'm right or, or when it comes to the political ideology. But the fact is you can't be either or. And the landscape, the political landscape, the cultural landscape, the societal landscape under your feet is constantly moving. And the same, your approach to different dimensions of life will be moving with that as these landscapes go. If you are rigid with one or, or rigid with another, then come on, are you making decisions based on, on what, based on your false beliefs that you that you identify yourself? Is that really scientific? And to uh, come back to what Barbie said, I absolutely agree with you, with everything that you said. And that's the whole principles of the science, the scientific approach. All of the scientific, um, you know, all of the, if you want to change uh, your mindset based on scientific approach, you look at the evidence, evidence informs your view on the world. Your view on the world does not change the evidence. It's the other way around. And for some, and if you are looking for the world at the world through lenses of your own identity, then you, your identity changed the way you look at the evidence, which is not ob objective at all. It's very subjective. So I think, I think that skill of you know asking ourselves and looking into our um, our how we feel and how are we interacting with world is somehow forgotten and somehow neglected nowadays. And you can see that I, I, I suppose you can see that in in education, like. We expect kids and we expect people to, to learn or to listen, but we never teach them. And the same, we expect people to engage in the communication and in personal growth and in professional growth, but we never say how to do it. And we, we see more and more of that division. So I don't have any answers, but I suppose the most important thing that we can do is just to be as authentic and as mindful and as open as, as possible. Well, I think the big challenge there is that today with everything that's going on with social media and so forth, the, because people kind of end up in these echo chambers and they, they say, you know, well, I read this on Facebook, it must be true. And everything that is presented to them on social media is conf uh, of confirmation bias. So therefore, they they end up with that very strong conviction that that is right, and the more information they get that confirms their bias, the more right they are. So, whenever anyone anyone would dare to kind of challenge that, you get shouted down. So, if you are trying to bring a point of view that is different, I think it's it takes a different level of strength and fortitude and resilience today than it did 20 years ago to uh, to go out and kind of be that role model because you are going to come up against a lot more division you're going to come up against a lot more quote-unquote darkness as well people that are just very stuck in their opinions because they have had it so uh, strongly confirmed by social media and uh, just as a, uh, a recommendation uh, i could uh, the social dilemma i know so it's been widely talked about as a documentary but that's uh, definitely a good movie to 
documentary to watch uh, to learn more about the impact of uh, social media and how the algorithms work uh, in terms of that confirma confirmation bias. I really appreciate uh, the perspective that Carol brought as far as, you know, how do you <clears throat> how do you balance the fact that you don't see things as they are, you see things as you are, right? And then there becomes this huge discussion around how do you know you're the light? Who's to say you're the light? You know, every there's all kinds of religions, there's all kinds of viewpoints that say they're the light. <clears throat> and I think that the way in here in America anyway, we're being polarized in, in such a way that it becomes like Christopher was just stating is you be, get into this tribal mindset. And so now you start cheering for your team and anything that challenges your team, you know, everyone that's on your side has to shout them down because you're trying to hold it together. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on in our, in our world right now. And you're trying to hold together your, your sense of safety, your sense of this team that I'm on is going to save us, is going to pull us out of this, is going to make my life different. And it really um, prevents, I think, a, a sense of unity. It prevents cross-pollination. It prevents, um, it's not a really good environment, I would say, for that, those types of things. So for me, the trades, again, that's just the, the garden that I have to, to work from is an area where personal development isn't really interjected. And so as I've been doing trainings for these gentlemen, I've been introducing some personal development and it has been so incredibly well received across the board and a lot of times people are like oh that's just that's just a plumber he's just a plumber and you don't realize that that guy has dreams and he was a little boy at one time and he had things that he wanted to do he wants to live in a safe world as well he wants to know who he is he wants to find out how to be centered and love on himself and be able to receive and give love and um i think that's one area that i think we need to render things down to its most basic components in order to say maybe that's just what the light is is just learning to be loved and receive love and give love without any strings attached i think that is a wonderful perspective there to simply ask the question who is the light um i would say that anyone who goes out there trying to build bridges and to uh, kind of bring unity to humanity would be that person um i think right to, on to, to me that's that's a, a basic definition of it um but yeah i mean if you look at if we take take your example there glenn with the trades i think those homogenous uh, kind of environments uh, in your case it, it would be uh, male dominated um, they kind of create this uh, system that works when it's homogenous but once you start bringing diversity that old paradigm starts to crumble because it, it doesn't serve a purpose any longer then um, people start then individuals start realizing that you know they have an authentic self inside and it's it's um takes a little time i suppose but eventually as you say people start receiving that kind of idea of being mindful and you know doing things to bring bridges to uh, division and so forth um, it is 
a challenge, but you know we have to just work on it with a compassionate attitude. I think. Uh, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right there. And, and just like in our industry, when you introduce new technology that's more efficient and has less of a carbon footprint, there's just going to be some grumbling because people are familiar and they know they know their lane, right? And, and when it comes to change, when it comes to being the light, you're you're telling somebody to switch lanes. You're saying, hey, it's actually better in this lane. But you know, I don't know if you remember learning how to drive the first time when you're on the highway and you're about to switch lanes, you're both hands are on the wheel. You're super focused. You're white knuckling the whole thing. And that's, I think, something that we forget because we're, we're comfortable in our lane. We're like, why wouldn't you want to be over here? And when you're asking someone to change or you're asking someone to do that, again, having an ally to jump on board with you makes that lane look a little more inviting and safe because that's what we're all looking for, right? Is we're all looking for safety. And that's what religion promises or that's what having a, a alignment with a political party or whatever it is we're looking for that safety that tribal safety and um i think that's something that we need to open up a discussion on as well is how do we navigate that together how do we how do we send out those life preservers and and tell them say hey there's a rope on it. i'm going to help you get get to the shore you know that's you're not just totally on your own absolutely when there's change of foot then uh, that immune response is going to kick in from those that are kind of stuck in the uh, in the conservative aspect of you know it doesn't have to be religiously uh, politically uh undertones to it but you know when it, they're stuck in the old ways as it were so they will be kind of infusing that immune response uh, to prevent change because change is unknown and it's different and we try to avoid that because it's scary hello i'm sorry um this is this is a great topic and i really enjoy hearing what everybody has to say and the first is like i really admire your friend for continuing to allow people to share their um their um different you know there's different thoughts and she comes back and she keeps educating and she keeps you know she's passionate about what she's doing and perhaps people will start contemplating their thinking you know um i know for myself um i always i like a long time ago it was like i i always had to be right you know and it's my way or no way and i you know if somebody said something that I didn't believe in or I didn't, you know, I didn't think was my, my right. I didn't want to even listen to him. And um, what Barbie said was, you know, like was a real awakening for me, you know, a long time ago when I started to listen to other people. And by listening to other people and hearing their viewpoints, I started to question, you know, well, where, you know, like she had said, where, where did you get your thoughts from? Like, how, how can you prove it? And it's like, are these really my beliefs, you know, or am I taking on someone else's? And it's taken me a long time to, you know, through personal growth, meditation and whatnot to understand that 
you know, like there are times when I'll follow someone else's beliefs just because, you know, I'm not, I'm not paying attention to the news or whatnot. And when I bring it up to somebody else, they'll come back at me and they'll say, you know, what their thoughts are. And then I think about it, you know, and I'll, and I'll come to my own conclusion, but I, I no longer take, um, looking at disagree at conversations that are disagreeable as you know disagreements but more as a debate you Mm -hmm. know like more as you know um you know that's a really good question and you know I have to agree to disagree or whatnot but uh what Glenn was saying about like the the uh the group mentality the like the jackals that we've all seen on TV was the uh, Washington thing. I mean, people just get into one mindset and they don't, you know, it's like they, for me, like the way I look at it is they, it's almost as if they stop thinking and they're just going along with everybody else because as he said, he's got to cheer his own team on and who cares what everybody else thinks, you know? And, you know, rather than be a follower, for me, like, I have to be a leader, and what kind of a leader am I going to be, you know, like, how can I show people another way of being, another way of looking at things, you know, and it's just the the way what Barbie said, like, if I have a, a just, you know, a disagreement or a debate, you know, I'll just ask the same questions, and we just go from there, so... I just, I just think this topic is great and I'm learning a lot from it. So thank you. I think you bring up a really important aspect there that it's important to realize that we don't all have to agree. You know, going out there and being that light we, we talked about and just wanting to uh, have unity among humanity doesn't mean that we all have to agree with each other's viewpoints opinions um so i think that that is a really important uh point to make here that even though most of us in this conversation we have a broad agreement as to our viewpoints uh so the the uh, irony is not lost on me that we we we're sitting in a bit of a echo chamber here but (laughs) we we are trying to 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 a certain degree to um bring in the thinking that, okay, so if we have other people with other viewpoints, how do we address that? And what, what, how, how can we sh- show up and be the best uh, role models that we can? Thank you very much, Christopher. Um, yeah, Glenn, again, fantastic point. And I really, one of the few things that you, you, you mentioned there, I just uh, so resonated with me so well, and I really wanted to come back to those points. So when you were talking about um, those labels that some some people are saying, you know, I ah, look at this, he's just the plumber or whatever. Um, and I suppose a lot of people are, exp- you know, labeling things like that. And, you know, it's not important. That person is not important because he's, because he's just kind of homeless or, or whatever. But the way I look at this, like this is when I look at different, different person and it's not easy to look at this through, through those lenses and I'm this is still a work in progress when it comes to me. It's like, no, this is just different source or spot or point in the consciousness. And um, I suppose that one of the 
issues when it or or factors that contribute to the to this perception is the way we look at the compassion and what the compassion is so when we look at the origin of word compassion it comes from latin compati word uh, latin word compati which is to join with in suffering with someone so it's very easy for us to join and be empathetic with someone who is suffering but actually it might not be to join um with someone when it's not suffering or when it's just experiencing the normal day-to-day -day life so i suppose my my approach to compassion and what the compassion really means have completely changed when i heard those words by his holiness dalai lama when he said that actually the compassion it's all about realizing that other people same as me they have the exactly same strife for happiness they have the exactly same right to be loved to love to enjoy life and to enjoy all spectrum of experiences that lives give us and if we look at the other person like that regardless whether that person is multimillionaire or homeless or having ptsd or is criminal or whatever but actually this is the, that sort of the point of consciousness that strives for the best quality of life, then your approach to different people completely changes. So that's what I wanted to say. Thank you. Yeah, and I think the if if I have a discussion with someone, if I can if I can convey to that person that it's okay for us to disagree, and that person that's the agreement we go uh, walk away from each other with then i've succeeded then i've achieved you know we are in agreement and we we can have that civil discourse and we can both learn something from each other but it may not change each other's viewpoint but we can say that you know what it's okay if we can both have that viewpoint then that's a success to me i wanted to Add to the conversation and maybe pivot a little bit as well. Um, I consider sharing my viewpoint as planting seeds. For me, it kind of takes away the pressure of trying to change their mind or educate them. Um, I simply just say what I feel compelled to say. And even if it doesn't resonate with them, it's there somewhere in the, in the mind, in the subconscious. And who knows, in a future date, it may get watered and bloom into something, into something beautiful. But my challenge is with family, family members, and people that you live with. So, <laughs> um, because, because you can't just walk away, right? You can't walk away and just be like, oh, we don't agree, bye. And it becomes a little, a little more sticky. So I think in, in, I guess I'm speaking specifically about my husband, who, who's kind of new um, on the path. I'm not even sure he's on the path but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to show him a little bit of the path. So I do, I do a lot of seed planting with him and he's, he's receptive, but I'm always wary of, of pushing too far and, and, you know, and shutting, shutting him, causing him to shut down. And then there's my parents who are very old school, you know, immigrant mentality and disagreements are not allowed. It's my way or no way. Mm -hmm. So like, I still really struggle with my, my parents. Well, you can do do like I did and move to to another country that yeah. kind of works. 
But uh, yeah, I mean, family is the best and family is the worst, isn't it? Um, it, it, is, it is a challenge. And I suppose the old me, uh, in quotation marks, would, would just kind of go along with them, be quiet. Yeah. And just kind of sit there and be like, well, yeah. internally, I'd be like, I disagree, but I'm not going to say anything because I, I can't. You know, it, it would be so painful to have to deal with the onslaught yeah. of uh, disagreement, right? Yes. Um, the me I am today, I am far stronger. I trust my boundaries and it's okay for them to disagree with me. Mm -hmm. I'm perfectly happy for that to be. Um, now that to them oftentimes would come across as or it would be diff more difficult for them to deal with the change in me yeah. that I actually have boundaries now and mm -hmm. uh, I'm able to uh, convey my opinion or communicate strongly how I feel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not clearly doing the drop the mic uh, movement, as <laughs> but, but to say, well, this is how I feel and I'm happy for you, for you to feel different. Your opinion is as valuable as mine. Mm -hmm. um, and that's okay. Now, they may not feel that way, but that's okay too. Uh, yeah. That's their journey. And I don't need to necessarily uh, kind of involve myself in that. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, uh, I think showing up and being a role model has more to do with, as you say, planting seeds by being who you are, right. rather than uh, changing uh, people's minds. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's hearts and minds are changed by you being who you are and being the best optimal version that you can be, yeah. um, rather than shoving your belief system down someone's throat, right? Right. Um, so it's you know that's just the way I kind of approach it. So. <laughs> so, again, in my work environment, the one thing I want to do is is not talk about superficial stuff because I don't care. I really don't anymore. And and I know that a lot of times as men, that's just the only way we know how to connect. And everybody wants, everybody is looking for safety, right? That's what we're all looking for. That's the the meat of the matters. We're looking for safety. We want to know that humanity is heading in a way that's going to be a place that we are proud to, you know, know that our children or our relatives will be moving into or growing into. Like it's on us to move the ball forward and to have a, um, to have the, the responsibility of having the, that play, that ball in our hands to move it forward. And, and I try to just look at it as everyone's looking for safety. Everyone's looking to feel okay about themselves when they're by themselves. And the more I have the opportunities to just exemplify that when there are disagreements, when there are a differing of opinions and to validate those individuals, um, it really, really brings the environment, the work environment to a different level. And if I want it to go even more in that direction, I practice bold vulnerability. And I may share that, man, I'm really struggling to find my footing, to find a space to rejuvenate in COVID world. And, and then I'll share the things that I've done. And suddenly the whole conversation changes right on the work, right on the job site. And 
then one another personal volunteer is like, yeah, you know, the whole getting drunk with your buddies thing that that never delivers anything that you you just end up being hung over and feeling miserable and working the next you know day just to feel better. And then we get into conversations around our hobbies. And now all of a sudden, you know, we're jiving and we're vibing on a totally different um, level together. And people are looking forward to, to hitting the job site and getting to discuss their hobbies. One guy's building his own uh, freeze dryer in his apartment, um, in his apartment living room. And his girlfriend's <laughs> not exactly happy that that's what is being done in the living room, but it brings him joy. And he, he comes and he shares and he talks about his wins and his losses. And, you know, maybe that's what it is, that it, it isn't necessarily having to change someone's opinion. So we feel safe. Maybe we're at fault here. Maybe we're perpetuating that same, yeah. that same thing. But the seed planting is the thing that really hit me. That was, that's such a beautiful way to look at it. Because when I, like a lot of us, when I kind of came into my own sense of well-being and, and seeing the light or what, whatever you want to call it, all of a sudden the seed planters on my path all became illuminated. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I remember now. I remember now. I remember now. And, and I went through a phase where I was beating myself up a little bit about it and just like, Oh, if I just could have listened, if I just could have listened, but all the wise people tell us that it took everything that we went through to get us to this point, because that's what we needed, like it or not. That's just what we needed. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I try to, and the reason I'm, I'm venturing out and being the light is because when I was a young man, I needed, I needed some direction so desperately and I wanted it. I, I just didn't know where to look. And I was a train wreck and I wanted to love and be loved. And I wanted to connect on a level that was um, beyond my capabilities, but I didn't know how there was no examples. There was no, I just kept searching and searching and you would find one lane and ride that as long as you could. And I, I tried to remember that with other people. They're just trying to find their own safety and they're just trying to find their own lane to, to feel okay when they're by themselves and to, to believe that society and, and humanity is moving in a direction that they can feel okay about. And going into the to my job sites and being boldly vulnerable is me remembering that I was a young man at one point that was a total train wreck, was in survival mode, was numbing out instead of living life because I didn't know what else to do. And um, when somebody jumps on board as an ally with me, it's the best feeling in the world. But that is very much planting seeds, isn't it? To show up and be that person or that role model who says, you know what, I feel like crap today. I really don't feel emotionally healthy today or, you know, whatever it may be, just to open up that discussion for someone to say, oh, I resonate with that. And then, as you say, then the, then the conversation gets going. And then, then you've opened up, uh, you know, the good side of Pandora's box because now uh, that person knows or, you know, whoever it may be, it might be a whole workplace, uh, a worksite that knows that you know it's okay to talk about these deeper things we don't have to talk about you know who won monday night's football and you know how many beers you downed at the pub last night um, and it's i think i think it takes very little to take progress into that uh, allowing that to happen but i mean 
yeah, I, I totally know what you mean. It's the idea of that kind of, I, I'd much rather have the deep conversations nowadays. Uh, and some people just think I'm being uppity and stuck up and what have you. Um, and that's okay. They, they can feel that way. But I, it's, it's just one of those things, right? I, <laughs> I absolutely agree with you. It, and also the other cool thing is the win for me, you know, cause there are, there are some beautiful wins in this situation. You find out that the people around you are so fascinating and so lovely and so beautiful. And so just kind little spirits that, you know, they put on their facades cause they're trying to make their own way through the world. And yeah. It's just been utterly amazing, you know, finding out that Cliff is building his own freeze dryer because he wants to freeze dry his, you know, things that he planted in his garden. Mm -hmm. I don't think he ever would have shared that stuff with us had, you know, had the conversation not gone that way to, you know, what's important to you? What hobbies do you have? What are you working on? And, and just hearing that another guy likes to whittle um, wooden planes and, that's how he spends his time and, and he gives them away to little kids. You know, he doesn't have any attachment to them, but they, it makes their whole day. You know what I mean? It just totally enlightens their whole day. So that's his win. And it just makes the whole work environment just a better place. And we're not, um, you're not gossiping or we're not, you know, talking about sports and, and, and getting divided about policy or political things or the work environment or the bosses or whatever. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you're kind of looking forward to going to work again. It's yeah, a great, that, it's a great thing. Yeah, no, that's beautiful, Glenn. And uh, you know, I think that's something we can all take with us and bring, bring us our lights out to wherever we're going, right? So, but because a lot of other places we do find that divisiveness if we look at social media, media, what have you. So, I don't know about you guys, but I do find that I need to retreat and recover a lot of times um and i you know this session that we have here now is part of my retreat and recover session because here i can come and i can we can talk about you know important subject or important to me in a way subjects <laughs> since i'm the one who sets the topic every week um but important subjects to kind of dive deep into and, and be challenged and, and kind of, you know, what, what are the questions I can ask myself? You know, what are my motivations? Um, and then to go back and in, out uh, into the trenches as were well, to um, uh, be a role model and continue to just fight the, the good fight as it were. So, uh, so yeah, the, the aspect of recovery is very important because I, a lot of us do uh, the the more we step out the more we get quote-unquote attacked so it's that finding people that we can have that vulnerability with that we can then regain our strength and our boundaries and so forth um, is very important I think I wasn't going to raise my hand, but um, I have a question that I was wondering if you can have, you know, if you have ideas or anything, but um, how do you diffuse negative tension in an office environment or a group environment that 
you have to go to on a daily basis and you try, you know, to bring out your light and you can still feel all that tension. Um, it's, it's um, almost, it's almost toxic, you know? So like, what do you do in that situation um, other than just going, you know, it's, it's like, I don't like office gossip. I've never was one for that, but it's I, like, there are people that are really, that really have negative energy. And so when you walk, like when I would walk into my office, I could feel it. It was like really, really tense. And then it made me tense. And then like, how do you get out of that? You know, it's like, where do you, how, how can you bring in your light to diffuse that negative energy that's coming at you? Like you said, like being attacked. I think a, what, what comes to mind immediately is a, um, there's a, uh, the book with, uh, from uh, Keith Ferrazzi, Leading Without Authority. He talks a lot about, uh, he gives a lot of different uh, scenarios where, where there are, uh, on the surface, they look to be conflicting situations in, in, an, in office, office environments or workplace environments. Uh, but when one person then goes and tries to find out from the that person that is the part of the negative uh, kind of infusion of en- uh, or drain of energy, if you like, um, find out what is the motivating factor behind that. What is it that is causing that person to bring that energy um, and to go in with a mind of curiosity and seeking to understand that oftentimes will help to uh, because then then you then you're trying to connect with that person on a very deep and uh, authentic level as opposed to what they're projecting out as their uh, their challenge or whatever it may be maureen that's such a great great subject to bring up because you're right you bring a situation that creates conflict and there's weirdness right that's the thing and then it can linger right like a like a fart in church (laughs) it's just one of those things you're like oh ah ah." and you just feel really uncomfortable and everyone else around you feels uncomfortable and and for in my environment it slows down progress immediately i mean you can tell everything just kind of takes a big stall and everyone's in their heads and what I ended up doing is I, I needed to get educated around this stuff. I needed to get educated about conflict resolution. And so I looked and I got a recommended a course that I took and man alive, it alleviated so much stuff for me because A, it normalized conflict. It took the big, the big sting out of that, the big thing, the make-believe world that if things are going well, then it's rainbows and unicorns and nobody's feelings get hurt and everybody comes to work happy and everything goes smoothly on the job site. And that's just not how life is. And conflict is just going to happen. And taking a course helped me to realize that people have different styles and people have different ways of dealing with it. And my way wasn't the right way. My way, I needed to learn something different. And Christopher really leaned into the perfect attitude, which is, 
valuing the person because that's what we want as human beings. We want to be valued. We want to be heard. We want to be listened to. And no, first of all, just doing that alleviates a ton of stuff right there. And, and all of a sudden people can breathe again and they don't feel like they're on the outs and remembering like Christopher said initially, and it's, it's been echoed throughout our little um, echo chamber here in the podcast is that listening, hearing, um, having compassion, it all has to start inwardly. If you can't hear yourself and you can't be a safe place to heal, and at least for me anyway, that was primary for me is, is becoming a safe place to heal and a safe place to hear, a safe place to witness myself talk when I messed up, because I wasn't very kind when I messed up. And so when it comes to re, regaining that sense of well-being on the job site or the workplace, sometimes cracking a joke to say, hey, you know, that was a tough conversation. Just address the elephant in the room. Boy, that was heated. You know, I'm really glad you guys are, are, are you, you know, these individuals are capable of having these discussions and moving on, you know, just draw out what, what is the best in each one of us. And then all of a sudden it's, it's the bandwagon. Everybody gets to jump on and this sigh of relief happens. You're like, ah, all right. Conflict is normal. Let's move on. All of a sudden the light, the whole mood lightens and you move forward. And um, yeah, that's a great, great subject, but those are my pointers anyway. Yeah, and the, the four pillars that I kind of base my whole existence around is, you know, approaching things with compassion, acceptance, grat- uh, forgiveness, and gratitude. Uh, and then not approaching people with suspicion, but approaching them with curiosity and, and uh, that acceptance that, you know, they are going to be the way that they are, but your curiosity is going to bring out what is really hurting them um, and not making assumptions that you know what is going on in their life, but your curiosity will allow you to actually find that out, what it is, and not to take anything personally. And if you uh, show up as a role model with your authenticity, and you speak with kindness and or you, you bring your words through the filter of uh, is it kind, is it true, is it uh, useful, then you are able to approach that whole environment in a, with a different, uh, totally different perspective. I think. Well, you guys have covered most of it, to be honest, but I was just going to add, like, um, similar to what you guys said, like the four pillars of NVC or nonviolent communication, where it just talks about you know, intention in terms of what you're getting into the conversation with, um, attention, so staying present and listening, all the stuff you've already said, um, <laughs> empathy, uh, empathy and um, honest expression. So I think, you know, on the surface level, of course, this stuff seems annoying and, you know, there's a toxicity or whatever else you call it. But as you dive deeper into understanding people's underlying needs, it just all comes out. So, yeah, that's pretty much it, what I have to say. So thank you for your amazing points as well. Thank you, Sukhan. I think uh, a lot of times when you bring it, bring different words into the play into play, and you bring a different perspective, you can say the same thing, but it comes across as different. So we appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Sorry, I'm a little bit out of breath because I started exercising a little bit <laughs> and to put my thoughts together. And Chris, thanks for sharing the um, book again. I'm gonna spend like I'm already spending half of my wage on books, so. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be happy. And it's my uh, fault. I pre- realize that. 
<laughs> Thank you very much for all of the suggestions and for great questions. So I'm, I'm perhaps not going to add anything more to the discussion, but a few points that I really want to make. It's uh, not engage. So I recently read a really good book by Josh Watkins. So Josh Watkins is a master chess player and he is a, I think, champion in jujitsu as well and or judo. And he was talking a lot about like psychological war and he was talking about his experience that when he was doing a chess game and people were kicking under under the table just to kind of do that psychological war. And one of his advice is like, do not engage. If people are gonna see that you, people are like some toxic people, like narcissistic people or psychopath people are basically vampires. They want you they want to absorb you in their world. They want to absorb you in their game. If you don't engage, you don't give them power. If you engage, you give them power and you will always lose. Don't engage. Remember that you are responsible for your reaction. You are not responsible for their reaction. So if you don't engage, you don't give them anything. They will not have any point to hook. Am I correct in saying when you say don't engage, you mean don't engage on their level yeah rather than if you do uh, when you do engage uh, engage from a uh, perspective of uh, compassion yeah well understanding and so forth this is this is one of the things that i before the podcast started like i had a very one a very toxic person in my life and when he was trying to engage with me i was just sending compassion to him i wanted to cut off energy but actually when i send the compassion to him what is happening, I, what I feel is happening, my energy is somehow connected with him, it's, we are interlaced. So now when he appears in my mind, I don't do anything, I just observe those thoughts. I observe them as appearances and I do not engage. I'm aware, I welcome them. Thank you very much that you appear, but as soon as you appear, you will vanish. I don't need to do anything, they will, they will away, they will go away. I don't need to spend my energy on that. And the same, like if someone, if I'm playing chess and someone is kicking me under the table, or if I'm, you know, fighting with someone in the martial arts settings and someone is doing some nasty tricks, if I engage, I will lose my energy. If I ignore it, they will lose energy. It's the psychological war. So stay away. That's uh, at least that's that's work for me. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with you, uh, with the um, from the perspective that yes, not everybody is going to come around and you know realize that they're bringing toxic energy or whatever it may be. Uh, how however compassionate you are, um, so there there comes a point where you just have to make it. You have essentially three choices to change your the way you approach it to move away or stay right so there comes a point when you have to say okay well i've planted the seeds here now like shiasora was saying you know i've just planted the seeds here that this is how i show up and this is my truth and this is how i show up to be a role model uh, but I'm not going to get any further here so I'm just going to move, remove myself from the uh, situation and disengage and cut the cords that's all um, oh yes absolutely I'm, I'm you know what I'm saying is be as authentic as, as possible um, and don't do anything that is against your moral spine or your own values just be the best version of yourself 
Yes, but I mean, in terms of what uh, Maureen was asking before, I think it's you don't have to keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying to the detriment of your own boundaries, right? So it's you show up, you try, and then you have to make a determination. You know, is this person likely to want to build, uh, <laughs> receive that bridge I'm trying to build? Or are they, do they keep just burning the bridge I build every time I build it? Uh, then perhaps it's time to stop building bridges with that person because they, they are not going to be receptive to that. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Because the other thing we have to recognize is we don't know where everyone's journey is at. And that's the beauty the beauty of having that Zen mentality is everyone's on their path and, and it's okay where they're at. It has nothing to do with you. And if it starts making you feel uncomfortable that they're on their path at their spot, maybe, maybe that's something to investigate. Maybe there's some growth there for you to have. And, and again, extending compassion, disengaging, letting go, those are all easy things to say, but if it, if it means that you're excluded from the tribe, it brings up a lot of messy stuff for us. And I think that's where the challenge in being the light really comes from is the battleground ends up being, why am I uncomfortable? Why am I so afraid to be alone? Why, you know, what's going on here? And, and leaning into that. Well, and I think most of us have, if you've experienced that kind of tumultuous change in your life, um, and decided to move down a different uh, branch of the path, as it were, that you do experience that uh, those fears of being excluded from your community or being, you know, that, that fear of being alone, right? But the beauty of the universe is that it will always fill in with uh, energies that are matching yours. Um, so it, you're never alone too long, right? Um, but it's, um, yeah, it is a challenge and it is that fear we have to, we have to address within ourselves. And as I always say, don't waste a good trigger. You know, the trigger is there to teach you something and, uh, it might be something that you may not have realized for a very long time to come. So, so in terms of of being the light in the dark, it is important that we show up in the right way and we understand why we are the light, not necessarily to shove our ideas down people's throats, but to be out there and plant those seeds and to show up as role models. Um, and then to know that it's okay to go back in and find your, your people as it were, and, to recharge your batteries and then go back out and keep on planting, right? Appreciate you all coming and showing up as always. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful Wednesday as always. Have a great day, everybody. I hope you feel more confident uh, going out there and becoming the change that you want to see in the world. And the key here, I suppose, is to really not cram our messages down everybody else's throat but rather to show up as role models in our societies in our communities in our tribes and to be the change that we want to see and if we are role models and we 
we show the effects of that change within ourselves, then people will respond to that and the ones that are ready to make those changes for themselves and want to have that in their life, they can then come to you and say, listen, how have you changed? How, what have you done in your life to become who you are and optimize yourself? So it's not a matter of going out preaching because people do tend to feel that's off-putting and uh, you won't be able to get your message through to them. I can then also come across as being confrontational, which is going to have the adverse effect of what you're actually trying to do. Now, I know there are a lot of people out there that advocate uh, radical change, um, which certainly is up to them to exercise. Uh, it's not something I am uh, subscribing to myself because I feel that has uh, an adverse effect and actually would cause change to be delayed uh, in society. And finally, trust. Just trust that your message is going to reach the people that it is supposed to reach. Even if that's only one person, then you've changed one person and then that person can then show up and help uh, show up as a role model to others. So always uh, know that your message will rece uh, be received by the people that it is supposed to be received by. Now if you are working on these kind of challenges and you are in this kind of situation where you uh, are trying to forward your message to humanity as a whole and want to work on this a little bit further then please do uh, visit us at uh, thealchemyexperience.co.uk to explore a little bit further how we might be able to uh, work with you on uh, developing these aspects uh, to make your messaging more efficient and to help you develop yourself as a uh, role model for your communities and on our website you will be able to uh, book a 30-minute free consultation with us to see how we might be able to help you so for now i hope that we will soon see you at our next podcast but for the time being i wish you all the best take care